0: And welcome to the For the Love of Duluth podcast. My name is Tom Jamieson. I moved to Duluth about six years ago, shortly after I bought a business here called Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Prior to that, I was a lawyer in Minneapolis for about 25 years. My co-host is Yvonne Myers. Yvonne is a lifelong resident of Duluth A registered nurse, and not coincidentally, the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment. So, why did we decide to do a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? It's simple. We love our town and its region, and we want to talk about cool things that are happening here. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will provide interesting tidbits of information that will add to your appreciation of Duluth. If you are visiting or planning to visit Duluth, we hope our podcast can become a place where visitors can learn more about this town and the cool things that are happening here. Neither Yvonne nor I are celebrities, so the stars of this podcast are clearly not us. The star of this podcast is the city of Duluth, and of course, the guests who join us to talk about their lives and what they are doing in Duluth. This is For the Love of
1: Duluth podcast. If you live in Duluth, you've been to an event at the deck. The Duluth Entertainment Convention Center might hold the title as the venue with the best view in the country, located in the heart of Canal Park and right along the shores of Lake Superior. Just walking around the deck offers views of the Duluth Harbor, the aerial lift bridge, and other Duluth landmarks. Where else can you find a convention center like that? Opening in 1966 as the Duluth Arena Auditorium, into the tune of six and a half million dollars, the deck holds events of all types, from concerts, to conventions, to events in sports, arts, and entertainment. You can even hold your wedding at the deck and cheer on your favorite hockey team the very next day. The deck is also home to the Duluth Superior Symphony Orchestra, home and sports show, the Minnesota Ballet, and Broadway performances. Still, all of these events barely scratch the surface. There is an event for everyone and space for everything at the deck. The venue has 25 meeting rooms, two ballrooms, and two hockey arenas with 250,000 square feet of indoor space. It is also home to the Duluth Curling Club and connects to the Duluth Skywalk. There's reasons the deck brands itself the epicenter of entertainment in the Twin Ports. It takes an impressive person to take on the task of running the venue and that's where Dan Hartman steps in. Dan was named the deck's executive director in the summer of 2021, officially taking on the big position in mid-June. Even more impressive, he beat out more than 200 applicants to snag the position. It was a full circle moment for him. He led the student campaign to build Amsoil Arena in 2006 when he was a senior at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He has deep roots in Duluth, having previously served on the city council for four years. He's also no stranger to working at iconic places in the city. Prior to his role at the deck, Daniel spent nearly a decade working as the director of the Glensheen Mansion. Daniel Hartman is here today taking a break from his busy schedule to talk all things Duluth Entertainment Convention Center. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's start by talking about your upbringing. Are you originally from Duluth?
2: I am not, which I think comes as a shock to some folks. I'm actually from Crosby, Ironton, Minnesota, so a small little town near Brainerd, and um, I will say I think we always viewed Duluth as that big metro city up north, so it's, (laughs) it's kind of fun to be here.
1: And then you went to to college at UMD.
2: Yeah. My master's and my undergrad are both at UMD. So okay. I'm a bulldog through and through. And at one point I was even the student body president. So like wow. you'll find fewer big supporters of the bulldogs than
1: me. So while you were at UMD, you helped lead the charge on a student campaign to build the Amsoil Arena, which is yeah. a huge part of the deck. How did you get involved with that?
2: I was part of the student government and the student government at the time had taken a stand that they wanted to support Amsoil Arena. And so I kind of led that effort. And I mean, the show how involved it was, the actual poster for that campaign was designed by my roommate. He, he actually designed their website. Um, It was me and another buddy would go to the cities about every three weeks, lobbying the Capitol to build the project. And so, I mean, I was the, I got my political sea legs really going to the Capitol those yeah. so many different times. And, you know, later led the student campaign and yeah, I mean, so it was, I was crazily involved um, to the point that when it finally got built, and at the time it was built, I was a city councilor. the past director Dan Russell, he had sought me out and he gave me this pin. He's like, you know, you deserve this more than most people. You, you're you part of the reason this is built. And that was kind of cool because, you know, people really didn't know that backstory of how involved I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's just pretty awesome to walk into that space today and know that like now I'm responsible on the other side of the coin, which is kind of cool. That's
0: amazing. I mean, it prepared you perfectly for this role, but it sounds like it also prepared you perfectly to get into politics because you <laughs> learned the lobbying side of things. Oh, well, for sure. Is a big, a big part of how things get done.
2: Yeah. I mean, already in this last year, I spent a decent amount of time at the Capitol because there's just, as you point out, the deck is built in 1966, and so there's just a lot of pieces that need some updating, and that's why I spent a lot of time at the Capitol this last year. Again, I will probably be at the Capitol every year that I'm a part of the deck, just because there's just so many facility needs. Oh sure, yeah. Oh sure,
0: I would think that's a you know fairly significant part of your job.
2: Yeah, because yeah.
0: you guys need public funds. So I want to get back quickly. You grew up in Crosby, Ironton. Yeah. Uh, Crosby's now, uh, I think, isn't at home to one of the one of the great bike trails? Yeah. That's
2: Cayuna uh, like, mountain biking yeah, trail. It's a yeah. fabulous
0: trail. So uh, you said you got a master's degree at UMD. Yep. What'd you get your master's
2: in? Uh, Advocacy and political leadership.
0: Okay. So, so well, that makes perfect. Sense. That's your, <laughs> you're actually using your master's yeah. degree. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> when did you graduate?
2: Oh nine
0: from with your master's? Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. And you had already, even in your undergrad, already done a pretty significant thing, like way more significant thing than most people do in college, which has helped get a major, major public like building built, in this case, Amsoil. Right? Yeah. No, so
2: was, We did a lot of stuff at college. It was kind of fun. We had a crew of guys who we just kind of crew of folks who really just wanted to make some changes at UMD. And we just kind of made it a charge for a couple of years. And I would say a lot of things helped with my politics, but that was definitely probably the real Kickstarter. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, Dan, we've on this podcast, we've, uh, we've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of them are UMD graduates. And it's amazing the, the kind of talent that school has kicked out, and the kind of talent that emerges out of that yeah. school. That that I don't know what they're doing there, but they're doing something, or maybe a lot of things right, because they're graduating some terrific people.
2: Yeah, I think they 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 foster and they empower that well. I mean, for me, I remember it was the Vice Chancellor of Finance, Greg Fox, who this is a really kind of weird story, but I was a student who wasn't into politics, and I was just really annoyed that everywhere on campus there were no. Clocks, and so anytime you needed, like I'd be running to get to class on time, and you'd literally have to go into a classroom to see what time it was, and you just felt you literally would disturb a class to go see the time, and and so and this was before that they had invented watches, right? Pretty much, yeah. no, um, they definitely had watches, but I was <laughs> didn't want one, and anyways, I remember they had just created generally these atomic clocks that didn't you could have a battery in them that keeps the time, and and so we went up to the vice chancellor's office and. As is super true in all of politics, everyone thinks that everything is really hard to do and that for some reason, there has to be a good reason this hasn't happened in the past. So I went in there kind of like guns blazing. Like we had a map of where all the clocks should be, where the what the costs would be. Like we had spent hours of time researching this and we go in there and Greg's like, yeah, that makes good sense. And we're like, wait, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, that's only like a couple hundred bucks. That sounds great. And I'm like, that sounds really easy. He goes, why wouldn't it be? And And, and he told me like that's, he goes, that's, most times in politics is because people really don't ask. Right. And and that, I would say, has been true through the entirety of my political endeavors. Um, And so that was him who started that, and from that moment on, me and him became friends, and he was helpful in a lot of ways. And I think that's, to your point on UMD, there's just a lot of good people up there who who are not necessarily looking to put people down, but helping lift people up. And I think that's been kind of a cool thing about UMD. Yeah,
0: it's fabulous. The other thing that's really cool about UMD is that a lot of those people are very successful, but they stay in this area and they just make the area more successful and so many of the people who are doing building really great businesses here so many of them went to umd and uh and we're just better off for that it's great to have that institution and it's not just umd st scholastica has a lot of oh yeah fantastic graduates doing great things here same with uw superior so it's uh it's fabulous okay so you got your master's degree you graduated in 2009 so what was kind of your first gig did you just go into
2: politics right away? So at that point, I already had a full-time job with the St. Louis County Historical Society. My undergraduate degree was nearly a double major in history and poli-sci. But I will say my first degree I was going for was marketing. So I'm a, I'm this weird combination of things. And so that led me to my role at the Historical Society where I was doing a lot of like program development and raising money for the institution. And during that, I got my master's. And then the same year that I graduated is when I ran for city council. And wow. so I did city council and that first job for a while. And then then I it was all it was at the same time. My wife and I had twins and I got the job at Glensheen and I was president of the city council. Um, Wait,
0: you were, you were you were president of the city council?
2: Yep. Not just on it. No, you, I became president that year. Wow. And it was a, a wake up call that I probably can't do all of the things. <laughs> and so that was when I decided to not run for reelection is if you've ever had twins, it is not a small task.
0: Right. Right. And being a dad isn't one of those things you can just give up. So it's
2: going to have to be something else.
0: That's when you said got to get out of politics. What a great experience. First of all, just campaigning, throwing your hat into the ring and campaigning, holding yourself out there. That takes a lot of chutzpah and uh, a lot of self-confidence, right? Because no one likes to be rejected and you're throwing yourself out there and facing possible rejection by the voters, but you didn't, you got on the yeah. council and then you were voted to become the president of the council, which is pretty impressive. Is, this is a relatively young guy, right? Yeah.
2: And we had a young mayor at that time too, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, um, there was a joke in town that we were the Brat Pack <laughs> um, because you know you had me, you had Patrick Boyle, you had Tony Cunha, you had Jeff Anderson, you had Don, on nest and i think our oldest one that makes us 33 uh wow and so like it was it was a young group wow and you did uh i think i was the youngest at 27 i think at the time yeah
0: that's pretty impressive no that's pretty impressive and you guys had a lot of energy i don't know if i'd say impressive
2: but maybe crazy but yeah Yeah, i don't know
0: i'd say it's i'd say it's pretty impressive
2: but yeah it was it was a fun time in politics i think you know it was one of those weird moments where if there's anything that I'm proud of, but I will say there's also issues on this. But when we that when that small contingent of folks took over, and there's more of that mix too. Prior to that moment in time, if you were on the city council, you were a very popular figure in Duluth because everyone watched council meetings because it was crazy town. Like people would yell at each other at these meetings. They'd bring props. I mean, it was it was like watching U.S. Senate level ridiculousness. At one point, the city council was more popular than Monday Night Football in Duluth. You're uh, kidding me no and so when the year i ran we had this small conversation with folks who were running at the time and said our goal is to make council as boring as possible and to try to have as much of our decision making done within the city level and the fall normal channels so that by the time it comes to council it just becomes more of a procedural public discussion and we did that And, and so you'll see that the ratings tanked and no one wanted to watch council anymore because it was really boring and we got a lot done for the city because it was less sensational. It was right. more about the work itself, less about staring at the camera when the people would talk. You know, like it was the craziest thing to go to council meetings in two thousand and seven. And you'd see every time that a counselor would go to speak, there'd be an audience of like two hundred people. And that counselor would stop and just stare at the camera and ignore the audience because that's how theatrical it became. Um and so it was great to have normal council meetings. Right. And right. today that's still pretty boring. I gotta say, I haven't watched them. you next time. You shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> they're not exciting. Yeah, right.
0: It just kind of seeing Robert's rules of order take over, and that motion carried, and then it's on to the next one, and yeah, you're done. There's no grandstanding, so it's kind of too bad. I mean, it sounds like if you were a fan of uh, like all-star wrestling, you'd be a fan of the old Duluth
2: City. Oh yeah, I mean. yeah. I mean, I'll, so this is a side story. I'm probably going to talk too much. Um, one of my favorite political stories about this is Roger Reiner, Jeff Anderson, mm-hmm. myself are having breakfast at Coney Island. At And at the time, Roger Reiner was a state senator. Jeff Anderson was running for U.S. Congress at the height of that campaign. And I was probably either city council president or vice president. It was right around that, like, I would say the peak of my... Political popularity, and this gentleman comes in and he goes, "Roger, oh my gosh, it's so it's such an honor to see you. Thank you for your work on the city council, blah blah blah." He goes, "He goes, are you are you still? Uh, how many times have you been on the council now? When did you guys meet?" And Roger's like, "I'm actually not on the council anymore. I'm a state senator." And then he goes, "Oh, it's nice to meet you." And he's like, "Nice to meet you too, guys." And he walked off, and it was like the only thing that the public knew of Roger as was a city councilor because it was more popular to be a city councilor than a state senator. And mm-hmm. the guy had no clue who me and Jeff were because we were. You were in the boring. We were in the boring era. In the boring, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jeff and I both looked at that as a win. But yeah, not for actually Jeff did not because he was running for Congress. But it was yeah, kind of funny.
0: And Jeff didn't make it to Congress.
2: No money in politics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had the, almost every major mayor in all of Northeast Minnesota supported Jeff for that race. But an individual who moved from out a different part of the state into the district had raised enormous amounts of money and kicked him out of the race. Um, And and we'll go into all the details of that, but it was like a very clear sign to a lot of us of like how much money matters in politics sometimes. Right, maybe all the time. (laughs) Not all the time. I saw the weirdest thing this last spring um, when money didn't matter as much, where the state of Minnesota had a bond had a lot of bills to pass. And I'm there the last day of the session, and here are all of the lobbyists, the most Republican lobbies you can think of, the most Democratic, liberal, liberal lobbies you can think of, and they are all in unison saying, pass a bill. We don't care what you pass, right. you have to pass a bill. You want our checks? You gotta pass a bill. Um, because those guys are all getting paid to have something passed. Right, right. Well, guess what? The whole thing failed. And you'll notice it's mid-July, no bills still. Yeah. And so it shows you right there, That you know what matters more than money? Politics.
0: Uh, uh, Right, that is true. (laughs) But if you want to get elected in politics, especially at a federal level,
2: you need. I would say Donald Trump showed that wasn't true. But well,
0: yeah, that's that that may be that may be the case. Although it turned out he had plenty of money, but yeah, he didn't use it. Yeah, you're right.
2: You look at the Republican primary; it's crazy how little money he spent halfway through that race. But he had
0: a name. He knew how to get on. He knew how to get attention. He knew how to get attention, (laughs) and he got attention. You're right. You're right. Well, maybe that's
2: just so that's my marketing way. brain speaking, know, more my political what I think, brain. But yeah. that
0: Trump ought to be our model going forward. I don't yeah, think so. I mean, but, but so anyway, I think all that right.
2: speaks to me being trying to be boring counselor. But yeah,
0: right, right exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he would have would have done well in the old Duluth
2: council meeting. Oh, he would have loved it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So now we're around the 2012 era. Yeah. And you're get you're stepping off the council because you had twins and you took a job yeah. at Glen Sheen. And so tell us about the job at Glen Sheen and why you took that versus the historical society and
2: everything else that you're yeah. doing. Um, so I, while, <laughs> while I was at college because uh, I was a double major I also had this history side and so my senior year was actually on the grounds of glenching and so I, I was actually a tour guide there at the time and so I've always had a passion for that place and I still will always have a passion for that place and for anyone I think for anyone who's ever worked there it just feels like this place that deserves more attention than it gets and that there's a deeper history there than the public Realizes, And I would say Duluth especially realizes. And and so when that job came up, I was very excited to apply for it. And yeah, I think one of my things that I try to do a lot of when I was there is, is, like I said, almost the opposite of the council is I wanted that place to get sensationalized. Right. I wanted people to see and view it like we who work there enjoyed it. I remember that first year, um, actually, she works for me now, uh, Lucy Amundsen and I were leaving the grounds at like five o'clock and it could not have been more picturesque. Just crazy, beautiful, perfect July night down by the lake and here we are locking up and no one's going to enjoy this night and I remember seeing a fox jump and like like eat bugs and then like go back into the woods and I'm like this is like ridiculous and so like we spent time trying to think about like how can we create things that allow people to enjoy this insanely beautiful experience right. um, and that's that's actually how concerts on the pier started
0: which have been fabulous and are fabulous and for any of our listeners who haven't made it out to a concert on the pier at are you're, uh, you're missing a real treat because it's uh, uh, it's amazing and there's no other place like it I mean the grounds of that place are amazing looking out right over the, the, yeah. the lake and you've got boats coming in to listen to the concert and it's just an incredible experience
2: yeah and, and, and it, honestly it's more beautiful phenomenally more beautiful than it was that time their head gardener Emily Ford she is a genius in her own right and she's done some really awesome things to that estate and so like it's going to be great to see that develop in time as well
0: well you left a you left a great legacy at Glen Sheen um, yeah. and uh, it seems like it's stronger than ever, and a lot of the things that you did to market that incredible property are still going. Yeah. And I know you've uh, you've brought up some of the people who work for you at Glen Sheen are now working for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. At the deck. So let's talk about. And I don't want to. I don't want to give your your time at Glen Sheen short shrift because you did some amazing things and you were there for over
2: ten years, right? I think eight years. Oh, eight years. Close. Okay. Yeah.
0: When did you start at Glen Sheen?
2: Oh, uh, probably around 2013. 2013. Maybe that's right. Yeah. And then you just you <laughs> my just, math isn't really great around
0: that. No, time. no. Yeah. I think I think you're right. And then yeah. you, jo- you joined. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> When you worked at places, by the way. yeah, yeah, that's that. That's really. I, yeah. I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think I'm qualified to do that.
2: Yeah, and as a as my background on show, I'm more of a stories narrative person than an exact dates person. So
0: well, we do know, yeah. and
2: we we don't know the
0: exact date, but we know the month. June of 2021 is when you took over. That I can tell yeah. you for sure. And, <laughs> and it must have been. I mean, they could have hired probably anyone they
2: wanted, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. a huge cool job. huge yeah.
0: job. I think in the intro we said you beat out 200
2: applicants. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I'm honored and surprised, but no, it was, it's amazing. And I mean, it's, it's the coolest job in Duluth. I mean, it's my job to make sure we have cool things in Duluth. It's an honor, but also it's like the last three nights. I mean, look at the last three nights. I was at a Travis Tritt show last night. Um, The night before that, we were at Trampled by Turtles in Bayfront. The night before that, we were at Four Fest/A Fest slash A-Fest. And so like, how cool is that? That last, whatever 4th of July was the morning of, you know, me and the mayor have a conversation about what we should do for four fest yeah right. that's an awesome thing to be able to have a conversation to be fair she deserves credit she's the one who said should we do it on friday because we had contractually made it for the fifth and so we were ready to roll for the fifth and i don't know if you remember the fifth but it, the weather was absolutely terrible too but it wasn't gonna lightning, so we would have still done it and so to her credit she's like it looks like it's gonna be better on the eighth and we're like Let's see. And it, we both cost the city and us a little bit more money, but I think the public got a vastly better experience. Right. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to be a part of that conversation.
0: I agree. And I'm, I'm amazed at how much the deck, does here in Duluth because I think if you, if you think of Duluth Entertainment Convention Center you might get the idea that it's kind of a, just a convention center and if you think of other cities that have convention centers it's the convention center and maybe they hold some concerts yeah. there maybe they bring in some other events not just conventions but you guys are doing everything you've got Bayfront you've got the deck itself which has how many venues just, just at the deck you've got Amsoy
2: you've got the deck so we manage nine venues so I think the public doesn't really think about this a lot and it's something that we're actually kind of retraining in our messaging and we're actually working on some icons even for it but we, we manage Bayfront we own and operate the William A. Irvin we have the Harborside Convention Center the Cityside Convention Center Symphony Hall or Deck Auditorium Old Deck Arena Amsoil Arena Marcus Theaters that's actually managed they they rent to us and so we have these nine different venues and as you pointed out like they do vastly different things right? Um, and you know it's really interesting to hear, you know, like, we'll compare, like, I'm trying to, I have struggled in the last year trying to find what conference I should go to. You know, there's conventions conferences, right. then there's a venue conference, then there's an ice conference, you know, like, we actually can, we actually manage three ice sheets, you know, and so like, Well, my,
0: my advice there is go to the ones
2: that are held in uh, fun places. And, and <laughs> I'm that I'm failing at that. Next <laughs> week, I'm going to Phoenix where it's 114 degrees. That is,
0: pretty, that, that's, that's, that is hot. Well, yeah. you know, it's amazing because I hear all these different things and everything you're doing In in Duluth, and I think I keep thinking of Anchorman and and one of my favorite movies, Ron Burgundy. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, he's trying to pick up the leading femme fatale, and his opening line is "I'm kind of a big deal here," (laughs) and and you actually are really a big deal. Uh It wouldn't just be a line; you're a big deal here, and we're going to get into just how big a deal. Uh, I don't think so. You are, and what Deck does, we're going to do that as soon as we take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Hi, Tom. What are you doing? I'm on hold on the phone trying to talk with someone in customer service. So far, I've just been talking to machines. Oh, hang on, Yvonne. Uh, customer service, please. No, I don't want to listen to the menu again. I just... Custom, uh, customer service, please. I No, I just want to talk to a human being. No, a human being. Oh, never mind, Yvonne. I just got disconnected.
1: You know, Tom, there is still one company that thinks it's important for you to talk to a human being when you call for service. Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Really? You mean I won't have to talk to machines? No, their phones are answered by real people who know about the products and services they offer. So I
0: can get answers to my questions right away?
1: Yes, and from knowledgeable and friendly customer service representatives who are committed to answer your questions and promptly get you the right medical equipment and supplies you need.
0: Yeah, but are these customer service representatives just scattered all over the country?
1: No, Tom. Lake Superior Medical Equipment's customer service, staff actually work at their locations in Duluth and Cloquet.
0: So they live and work right here in our community?
1: Yes. In fact, Lake Superior Medical Equipment is the only locally owned and independent medical equipment provider in our region.
0: Okay, you've convinced me, Yvonne. When I need medical equipment and supplies, I'm calling Lake Superior Medical Equipment.
1: And you'll be glad you did. Lake Superior Medical Equipment, the area's only locally owned and independent home medical Medical equipment and supply company staffed by real people who really care. Visit us on our website at lsmedequip.com. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook at For the Love of Duluth podcast and Lake Superior Medical Equipment.
0: All right, we are back with Dan Hartman, the executive director of the Duluth Entertainment and Convention Center, otherwise known as the DEC. Uh, and the Deck isn't just one place. As we were uh, talking about, Dan, you guys run nine different venues. And uh, some of those venues, people in Duluth will know, but people who might be visiting Duluth won't necessarily know. Now, one of the things you just mentioned was William Irvin. And for those who have not been up to Duluth lately, William Irvin is a ship. It is a floating Museum. Yeah. And uh, how long
2: has the deck been running that? For at least, I think, probably 20, 30 years. So, wow. I don't know our first takeover date, but it's been a very integral part of the deck for a long time. And that was a vision of Dan Russell, uh, the prior director, who I think was a very smart move. It's a big I mean, it's a big part of our legacy and our history is that that marine history.
0: Right. And,
2: right. yeah, I mean, in the Orobolts in particular, like I, I like that from the museum side, you can come into our community and you see these giant orbals come in but you can then go on a tour and see what one looks like on the inside Right. and then if you want to learn more you have the Maritime Museum by the lift bridge if you want to learn about the railroads that would dump the in, you can go to the Railroad Museum and we kind of have the full bit
0: now does the deck the deck doesn't run the Railroad Museum
2: No, nope. so that's a nope. separate separate thing
0: right but it does run the urban. and for those who haven't been on the urban, I highly recommend it it's yeah. it's amazing it's a big ship It's they have bigger ones now but at the time when this thing sailed it was about as big as they got in the lakes and it is it's really it's a beautiful ship yeah it's uh you know it's got these graceful lines and you used to be able to ride in it if you were maybe a big wig with the steel company and they've got really nice quarters there that people who were uh, like I say big wig executives yeah. of the shipping
2: companies could and that still in. happens a lot today on the other ships yeah. um, so like back when Cheryl Crow and Lance Armstrong were together they actually came to Duluth and went on a cruise on an ore vessel oh really yeah that's pretty cool yeah so you'll have I think I want to say Brad Pitt was another one of the people who went out through here. Um, and so you have these really large national figures that they like it because they're super private. Right. You know, they don't allow anyone else whiff in that really enclosed space. And they cruise the Great Lakes.
0: And another thing that's fun that's starting again, speaking of ships, are cruise ships. Yeah. Now, is the deck involved with with uh, those cruise yes,
2: ships? heavily.
0: All right. Well, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so that's brand new. This is the first time the city of Duluth has ever had a fixed clearing facility. And that's a very big deal, not for Duluth, but all all of the Great Lakes, because there isn't another fixed clearing facility this far west. And so this is great for Duluth, but this is also very good for the Apostle Islands. This is really good for uh, Thunder Bay. This is really good for Milwaukee. And so this made it viable for a lot of these cruise ships to actually do the Great Lakes as a whole. Where before, there wasn't a fixed clearance facility, and so there was a lot of red tape to do any type of international travel, which really, which is what you're going to want to do on any of these cruises.
0: Alright, can you explain what a clearance facility is, just in case there's people Good question. as ignorant as me who it's, are listening it's, to this l- It's
2: very, very similar to the TSA when you go to the airport. It's just, you're getting cleared to international for travel. So, are you going through customs yep. center? It's okay. literally the custom border patrol facility. Alright, so some,
0: they, they come in they sail in from wherever they're coming and, and we're gonna have some of these cruises that start out in Duluth, right? Next summer. But here we've got uh we've got people coming in, they've all got to go through customs, right? Yep. They they get off the ship in the little tenders, right? And they, they come in and they yeah. and they go through the customs and then once they're cleared there, they can go to wherever they want in the yep. US. They've gone through customs. You got it. So that's pretty cool. Now, were you involved in getting that?
2: That predates that me. Okay. I would say I, I showed up at the time of it trying to become a reality. And so I think there's, you know, and there'll also be a continued open question of its overall merit because I mean, there's a definite public cost to this, but I, I would I'd probably even say I was debatably one of the naysayers um, because there just was a high public cost to this. And, you know, there is a value on all these public dollars, but I will say watching these first couple come through, it's it's an immediate cash infusion for Duluth. Right. Um, So like right now, 60 to, I bet 60 to 70% of the travel book the railroad museum. And so like the railroad museum is doing great off of these. Right, I, right. I, I think they've put together a good tour or two. So, but that's in time as other businesses and other organizations realize how they can work with these cruise ships. It's going to be a bigger win for town. Right. Um, the big one though are going to be the one where they take off from here. So, on average, a lot of these folks will fly into Duluth, stay here for 3 days before they actually take the cruise out. Right. And these are people who are spending $14,000 per person. So, I mean,
0: or more one of them is going to be considered more than that, right? It's going to yeah. be like 50000 or 70000 yeah.
2: per person. That's a 70-day trip. Yeah, yeah,
0: which sounds like a great time. Yeah. If I had it in- my bank account.
2: I, and I will. I got on the cruise ship a couple like a couple weeks ago, and I will say they are beautiful. Those yeah. Viking cruise ships are amazing. And
0: these are newer cruise, at least the ones that have I brand new this last one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it, yeah, it's, it looked beautiful going under the bridge. There's...
2: And it sounds like there's more and more interest from other cruise lines now to be a part of this. Yeah, it
0: doesn't sound like you're still a naysayer.
2: I'm getting closer to a stronger win. All right, um, but I definitely wasn't in the negative camp at first. But I, I man, it's it is crazy to watch. That energy, and I think Duluthians, and they're just—it's a beautiful ship. I mean, right. it's just something cool for people to come into town and see sitting in the harbor.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Um, yeah, definitely a part of that. So,
0: well, that's really cool, and I—I realized it kind of jumped around there, but it's <laughs> something that I've been thinking about because this is a new. I've been in Duluth now for about seven years, and there's a new thing for. I haven't seen oh, these yeah. cruise ships coming it, in, and now they're here, and yeah, and they seem to be the, the people seem to be coming off those ships and wanting to really enjoy what yeah. Duluth has to offer. They're not just staying on the ship
2: and and I'll I, I try to give thanks where thanks is due on this stuff. Um the city staff really are the reason that this is done because this had a lot of significant obstacles that came through. Um and it would have been a lot easier for us to just say, no, this is getting to cost too much money or no, this is just operationally too much. And they kept looking for a way to make it win. And and so I, I really I mean this is not one person. I mean like this would be I have at least 10 people on city staff who have been back and forth to try to make this be a reality. Um, And Port Authority has been very helpful as well. I'd say my staff in particular, Jeff Stark, I think has done a really good job of working with the Custom Border Facility folks and our facilities folks. But the city in particular like, man, it was a steep hill to climb that we thought was a small little hill.
0: Well, I'm glad they persevered. Yeah. Uh, because I think it's a really cool thing for the city. I, I, yeah. I just think it's a it's a great win. But again, I don't know what the public dollars are that that uh, it took to to get it off the ground. And I realize there's going to be other places uh, in the Great Lakes that are going to benefit from the fact that we had that, yeah. that we put the money in it. But I think Duluth is going
2: to benefit as well. Yeah, and to give a little background to my naysaying, um, because of my background at Glensheen, I'm very familiar with the leisure travel market of Duluth. And sometimes we as a community miss kind of the large context of how big our leisure travel market is and we'll spend a lot of resources on something that seemingly are really exciting but really the bang for our buck is pretty bad so like this is gonna be controversial saying this i almost feel like i shouldn't say this but like a couple years ago there was the hockey day minnesota event and man you would have thought it was the greatest thing that the city of Duluth has ever done and people are just jumping up for joy of how this is the greatest thing for tourism ever and they had five thousand people at it now that is great but to give you context this last year was the first year we did winter village at the deck. The second day of Winter Village was a terrible snowstorm. It rained, it snowed, it was awful. People came in sleds that had 5,000 people at it. And so there's just a misunderstanding of. And
0: probably less expensive to put on.
2: Oh, incredibly less. Right? right. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have done Hockey Day in Minnesota, but just be mindful of the volume that your return on investment is. Right. Um. Yeah, and, and thankfully for Hockney, Minnesota, that wasn't a lot of public investment. But I'm just, it just shows you the disconnect that the public right. has for what level leisure travel is. I mean, leisure travel is what butters all of our bread. I mean, hotels couldn't exist in town if it wasn't for leisure
0: travel. Right, right. And the other thing about these ships coming in, obviously, that's leisure travel, obviously. Um, that's not necessarily benefiting hotels. It's benefiting a lot of other things. But it's also another thing that puts Duluth on the map. It's something new, yep. and it's it's going to start bringing in...
2: Yeah. And I would the marketing hat in me would tell you what's the best value of the cruise ships is that the clientele are not from even Minnesota or the Upper right. Midwest. They're typically from the West Coast, East Coast, even the South. And so you you are getting people to know the city of Duluth that didn't know the city existed before. And these are generally large stakeholders in their communities. Right. So you it's the right type of people you want to get in to know your city. And so that I think is probably that long term win that makes sense of the five thousand people we'll get over a course of a summer.
0: So let's talk about some of the other venues. Let's go ahead and we'll talk Bayfront for a little bit because Bayfront seems to have stuff going there every single weekend.
2: I'll, I'll move that one quick. So okay. what's, because I think the exciting thing that I'm excited about is actually the deck and the harbor drive space in front of it. So what I think is shocking for me when I took over is that, you know, the concert size of Amsoil and Old Deck Arena is almost similar to Bayfront. We, in my head, I always thought Bayfront was just, you know, just huge thing. Right. It's really not. It maxes out 8,500 people. And so, you know, that's kind of when you start to think about it, that's exciting if you think that we've got three venues that are generally of that large size. Right. And so the real opportunity for us as a community down the road is those other two venues that really haven't had as much use as they could. Right. And so like if you like music if you like entertainment if you like Broadway plays we you know we hired two new staffs this year where their only job is to start bringing that stuff to town and and that's I think going to be the so you're not going to see that in the next year but as these relationships build within three to five years you're going to see a lot more fun stuff because we only have so many weekends at Bayfront.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, there's there's a fair number of weeks in Duluth where going to a come- Concert at Bayfront it's not going to be that much fun yeah so it, I tell
2: you if, if Travis was at Bayfront last night it would not have been as much fun right, the weather right, was pretty bad right right yeah and,
0: and then you've got you know our, our eight months of winter that, that uh, you have to navigate through. kind of you to say eight. yes <laughs> It wasn't this year, <laughs> so you've got this. Uh, so let's yeah. let's talk about Oil since you helped get that built yeah. as a college student. Amazingly enough, so oil and I assume it's called Amsoil because Amsoil owns the naming rights. Correct. Right? Yep. That's for what a twenty-year deal.
2: Usually those things. Yeah, we get about a. I think it's. Yeah, it's. We've got a long-term agreement there, but I will say in the future, our hope is to we'll probably look at more naming rights across different parts of the deck complex right. as well. Because right now, it leads to a lot of confusion. People think. AMSOIL literally runs the building. Um, and so it's it's good to have people have a better understanding of communications because if something goes wrong on our event, I want them to complain to us so we can help them. Um, where right now, like there's, you know, a place marker on Google and people will send it there as if it as if that's something. Right. And so, so we're trying to clear that up and getting people to know that the deck is the one doing this so that we can help make things better.
0: AMSOIL, just for people who aren't familiar maybe with Duluth, that is where the UMD Bulldog hockey team Uh, plays, obviously, at Division 1. yeah, Great great national program. And what else goes on at at
2: Amswell? We've got concerts. We We have a lot of youth hockey. We have a lot of figure skating. Um, During different conventions we'll actually get rid of the ice and then have that be for a convention space. The Harlem Globetrotters were there. I mean, we're we're a multi-use facility all over the place. And I think that's also what's kind of special about the deck is, you know, unlike, say, other convention centers where they're just a convention center, we have all these other arena so we can do bigger things here. We talked a little bit about politics earlier, but what's great about the deck is there is no political lines. You see everyone of every type at a different type of event all the time. You know, we hired two folks to do social media last summer and we we kind of joke about it because you'll have one event and literally the next day the crowd cannot be more different than it right, was right, the day right, before. Right. Going to hairball and then going to like, you know, four fests, it's, it's vastly different. And so like, yeah, I think that's part of the the fun of the place. And same with a, a symphony crowd versus a hairball crowd. Sometimes they uh, overlap too much (laughs) and we need to (laughs) yeah because we'll have bulldog hockey some nights and so one of the things we had to address this year I thought was kind of funny in a dark way was you had UMD hockey and the entire student entrance comes right by the symphony hall entrance. The most entertaining part of the bulldog hockey game is watching the student audience and so if you can picture that Crowd <laughs> hanging out, waiting to go in in front of the symphony crowd. We needed to find a different way for them to come in. But yeah, it was, yeah, but that's part of what makes the deck the deck. I right. Mean, there were nights where we had nearly 40,000 people come through in a single night between Haunted Chip, Marcus Theater, Bulldog Hockey, Symphony Hall, a wedding. 40,000. Yeah. Really? And to give wow. you, once again, I think context is important. When I took over Glensheen, their entire visitorship for a year was 70,000. Wow. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's about half of what the mm-hmm. zoo, had in attendance for a number of years, so I mean, that's a lot,
0: right? Well, thanks yeah. to your work, that's continuing at Glen Sheen. Those those are old numbers. Those are old numbers. Yeah, and I think in part because it's a lot of the stuff that you do. The the few things in Duluth that aren't controlled by you, uh, they're doing well too, because <laughs> yeah. everyone seems to support each other yeah. in this town. So if it's the person who's running the the uh, Duluth Zoo, if it's the person running Glen Sheen, if it's you, if it's the person yeah. running the railroad. Everyone kind of works with each other. And it's, it has to be that way. It has right? to be.
2: And we all do better when we all do better. Right. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot of things that have been great to see taking shape in Duluth over the last 10 years. And one of the other ones that was great is a lot more collaborative events or teams. And so, like, even in the history museum crowd, there became a history museum group that met so that they would get together and be like, hey, this has been working at my place. You should do this too. And so, like, that really helped build everyone up. And this last year, they the, her name is Tricia Hobbs' the City started this Duluth Tourism Collaborative where every three months now we'll have a meeting at the deck where we just kind of tell people like, hey, this is what's going on in the tourism industry. Here's some things you guys should know. Here's how we can help each other. And that never happened before. And so like it's just kind of cool to have that space and that time to help each other. And so I bet that'll pay in dividends down the road as things progress more as we learn from each other. And so that, to your point, that's great to see.
0: Yeah, it's great to see. And it's not just the public institutions that are like that. It's the... Uh, Private the private businesses who all seem to look out for each other, even though they're competitors. You know, the, whether it's the breweries or the distilleries or yeah. or even the, the hotels, taquerias yeah. or whatever. They all they all kind of. Um, I think the idea is rising tide lifts all ships. So, so and speaking of rising tides, I know we've talked a lot about boats. We've talked about uh, what uh, what the deck is doing now. But if you if you, and I'm sure you have a vision. But if you're if you're trying to envision what the next couple of years looks like, what kind of changes do you
2: expect yeah. to see at the deck? So I mean, a lot of these were already kind of begun so the big one is really kind of diversifying the portfolio of the deck coming out of the pandemic we are very very heavy on conventions prior and right now i think everyone can agree that it's an unknown of what will be the future will be on this and so the more we can diversify our portfolio makes sense that's why we are putting so much more effort into entertainment is that's an easy way for us to kind of a i think bring more fun things to town right. but also right. financially be on a little bit safer ground and and so you'll see us progressing down that road harder and harder into the future but i will also also saying you've probably, I hope, already witnessed this, um, but we are really trying to amplify the existing things that the deck has always done really well. Because I think there's a lot of eye-opening moments when I took over. One of them was how incredibly dedicated the staff is at the deck and all the cool things that the deck has done in the past that people just didn't really know about before. And this may be a change or a philosophy, but I we have hired a marketing team where the deck didn't have a marketing person really before. And so now we've got a team and we want, you know, as her name is too well. Morris so as well, we we, we put the, shunt, the sunshine on the stuff that's already been going on. And so it's been fun for the public to be like, oh, it's really cool you guys do that. I'm like, the deck's been doing that for 30 years, you know? And so, you know, like a small example on a small scale is during the home show, the deck forever has done this thing where they cook this pastrami beef for 20 hours. They have their own seasoning on it. It's amazing. But the coolest part is if you go and you buy it, they slice it fresh immediately before you purchase it. It literally drops on your bun and then you pick up the bun. And so, like this, this crazy delicious pastrami sandwich. And I remember I first saw it. I'm like, "How long you guys been doing this?" Like, "Oh, we do this every year. It's part of our home show thing." And I'm like, "We need to put this on the social media. We need to talk about this. Like, this is cool. You guys do this. Like, the corn dog for the Bulldog Hockey is the best corn dog I've had in my life. And I probably eat way too many corn dogs. Uh, it's super good. But it's just a good example of like that's. I think that's going to be part of this new era of the deck. Is me helping amplify the cool stuff the deck's done in the past. Plus, you know, trying to bring in some new fun stuff. You know, so like one of the issues this. Is more a sign of the times, which everyone's struggling for staffing, right? And so, one of the biggest issues that we see right now is just lines for getting beer, lines for this. And so, uh, last night was our first trial of a fast two system where you can pre purchase your beer online. And so, that when you show up, you just scan your QR code and grab your beer and you're done. Mm -hmm. And and so, as people learn that system more and more, it's going to really speed up the beer lines. And that was also a little tricky way to get away from having to staff so much that we didn't have. And so, it's kind of a win. And you know, we're trying to this Bulldog season you'll see more and more of that pre-purchased hopefully hey, so,
0: speaking of staff the Trampled by Turtles concert that you had this last Saturday night yeah. way smoother than yep. any Trampled by Turtles show I've seen the, the, no lines to get in it was just amazing Yeah. and uh, so kudos to you if you had anything to do with it uh, if I was not this, you should yeah. take credit
2: for it <laughs> no it's definitely a strong team effort Uh last summer I witnessed a lot of summer shows where the lines were frankly not great and so going into this Season we sat down with all of us and like what can we do to make this better? What's what's empower the people to make sure it's a reality? And we push and we push and we got it done. And the big thing for us is getting that new lake gate entrance. So there's two entrances to shows. Well, that increased the lines by thirty percent because before you you were just stuck in right, that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big part. We also just have a better system through the front. Right. And so our hope is going on into the future. It should be better because I mean that nine thousand person show felt like a two thousand person right. show. Right. No, it was it was it was fabulous. And, and I hope you'll say the same thing about the beer lines in the near future. But yeah, that's our yeah, that's the, that we're trying the, to attack. You know what? Uh, the beer lines weren't bad at that show. But oh at, yeah, at Amsoil. Oh we yeah, yeah. That, yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. At REO <laughs> trample, where, they were. It's gonna be a bigger goal
0: to do that. So we've talked briefly, and I kind of veered yeah. off because, uh, and I shouldn't have veered off, uh, but I wanted to compliment you on the Trampled by well, Turtles show. No, it's a fun beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a fun beer. It was. It was a really fun concert. So one thing I, I wanted to mention, we're running close on out of time, but June 2021 we really weren't emerging from COVID yet.
2: Um, you mentioned that you're trying to diversify, but is the convention business coming back? It is. It's just, just definitely not the fast pickup that we all expected right. when I got hired in June. I mean, the assumption in June last year was, it's over guys. Let's It's all going to full steam. And people were calling back as if it was going to be full steam. And then Delta showed up and then Omicron right. showed up and that put a big pause and so that was a scary moment but I will say now things are definitely back on the upswing Uh, my director of sales Sue Ellen Moore has already met more than halfway she's already passed her halfway mark on her sales goals for the year so I mean business is definitely picking back up Good. so I mean it's great to diversify the portfolio but if you get all the original business plus some new business that's a good win too
0: that's a a huge win that's a huge win well on that very positive note I think we are about out of time Dan I just want to uh, thank you so much for being here we do ask all our uh, all our guests uh, one question because this is uh, for the love of the Duluth podcast. When you're not doing things relating to the deck, what do you like to do in
2: Duluth? Uh, I'm definitely a hiking person, so I love the Superior Hiking Trail through Duluth. I think it's one of our many great assets. Um, Absolutely, yeah, for sure.
0: Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. All right, well, Dan, thank you so much. This has been uh, a great a, a great visit, and uh, hopefully, you can come back again sometime. Yeah, so thank, thank you.
2: you. Thanks for asking, me, guys. It's fun.
1: That just about does it for this episode of For the Love of Duluth. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at For the Love of Duluth and subscribe to For the Love of Duluth wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for For the Love of Duluth. That way you will never miss an episode. We will see you next time.